This hour, the podcast is exclusively sponsored by my good friends at Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold is a five-star rated gold company with one-of-a-kind customer service. And when it comes to gold and precious metals, Advantage Gold is the only company I'll work with. Call Advantage Gold today and make sure you let them know that Mark Levin sent you. And now, let's begin. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, A couple of very big issues here tonight. A couple big-time guests, too, Peter Schweitzer and Dr. Phil, later in the show. Chapter 5 of the Democrat Party Hates America lays it all out. War on the American citizen. I went back and I looked. I've written three books, excuse me, I've written ten books, three of which address extensively immigration and citizenship, including liberty and tyranny, American Marxism, and the Democrat Party Hates America. Britannica defines citizenship, as I write in the Democrat Party Hates America, is in part the relationship between an individual and a state to which the individual owes allegiance and in turn is entitled to its protection. Citizenship implies the status of freedom with accompanying responsibilities. Citizens have certain rights, duties, and responsibilities that are defined or only partially extended to aliens and other non-citizens residing in a country. In general, full political rights, including the right to vote and to hold public office, are predicated upon citizenship. The usual responsibilities of citizenship are allegiance, taxation, and military service. Citizenship is the most privileged form of nationality, says Britannica. So, folks, the purpose of citizenship is to unite people around common values, belief systems, principles, and so forth. That is a dominant culture, the American culture. 
Otherwise, a nation cannot function and ultimately fails. And that's what's happening. Can attack on the culture, the dominant culture, and allegiance to the country. Unfortunately, the ruling class led by the Democrat Party, the media, academia, and the administrative state do not share the public's belief in either the necessity of citizenship or the well-being of America. The late Harvard professor, Samuel P. Huntington, writing in his book, Who Are We? The Challenges to America's National Identity, observed the views of the public on issues of national unity differ significantly from those of many elites. He said these differences reflect the underlying contrast between the high levels of national pride and commitment to the nation on the part of the public and the extent to which the elites have denationalized and favored transnational and subnational identities. He wrote this 20-some years ago. The public overall is concerned with societal security, which involves the sustainability within acceptable conditions for evolution of traditional patterns of language, culture, association, and religious and national identity and custom. For many elites, these concerns are secondary in the global economy, supporting international trade and migration, strengthening international institutions, promoting American involvement abroad, and encouraging minority identities and cultures. The divide between the public and the ruling class, explains Huntington, is broad and getting broader. He wrote the differences between a patriotic public and denationalized elites parallel other differences in values and philosophy. The late professor wrote, growing differences between the leaders of major institutions and the public on domestic and foreign policy issues affecting national identity form a major cultural fault line cutting across class, denominalization, racial, regional, and ethnic distinctions. He said, in a variety of ways, the American establishment, governmental and private, has become increasingly divorced from the American people. Are you paying attention, Wall Street Journal? Politically, America remains a democracy because key public figures are selected through free and fair elections. But in many respects, it has become an unrepresentative democracy because on crucial issues, especially involving national identity, its leaders pass laws and implement policies contrary to the views of the American public. Concomitantly, the American people have become increasingly alienated from politics and their government. This was a Harvard professor who wasn't chosen based on DEI and didn't plagiarize. And so I write. Yet today, Biden and his party are overseeing and instituting the greatest degradation of our immigration laws and system in American history. The unstated purpose is to allow as many aliens as possible to freely enter the United States virtually at will in the face of broad public opposition. The result is mass migration from all over the world into the country without regard for who the aliens are and whether they're willing or capable of assimilation into American society. And as I wrote in Liberty and Tyranny, no society can withstand the unconstitutional mass migration of aliens from every corner of the earth. Mr. Producer, how come other TV and radio hosts don't read from their books? Because they either don't write them, 
or they write about themselves, or they write about other things. I write about America. I write about America. What you have here, what Aristotle observed, as I also pointed out in Liberty and Tyranny and last night, is regime change. It's what he called it. It's regime change. As reported by Fox News, President-elect Joe Biden at the time, during the Obama administration, said the U.S. benefits from a constant and unrelenting stream of immigration. And I'm quoting him. And that those of white European heritage becoming a minority in the U.S. is a source of our strength. Kind of a racist comment is that, by the way. Speaking at a White House summit on violent extremism in 2015, Biden said in part, folks like me who are Caucasian of European descent for the first time in 2017 will be in an absolute minority in the United States of America. Absolute minority. He said 2017, but it will be soon enough. But look how they pride pride themselves on this because they're telling you what they're doing. And if you dare to repeat it, then you're the bad guy. Biden said fewer than 50% of the people in America from then and on will be white European stock. That's not a bad thing. That's a source of our strength, he said. Biden made similar comments a year earlier where he spoke to the National Association of Manufacturers on the need for immigration reform, quote, from a purely economic point of view, unquote. According to The Hill, which reported on his comments, Biden said a key to U.S. economic strength is the constant, unrelenting stream of immigrants into the country, not dribbling, significant flows, quote, unquote. Worth reading the book, folks. But to be clear, the purpose of immigration is not to change the racial or ethnic makeup of the citizens you represent. But to ensure, but to ensure that the citizens you represent are the foremost benefactors of immigration policies. Professor Thomas West, Hillsdale College, wrote in 1998, vindicating the founders, Although many of the nation's founders were receptive to immigration, there were important caveats. He explains that, and I quote, George Washington frequently commented on immigration and citizenship. His approach, shared by most of the founding generation, had two main features. First, America should generously welcome as equal citizens people from many nations and religions. Second, the numbers and kinds of immigrants may need to be limited with a view to the qualities of character required for democratic citizenship. Of course, to mention a would-be immigrant's character is to draw scorn and heckles of racism and bigotry. Nonetheless, the character of those wishing to join American society was, at one time, a paramount consideration for obvious reasons. In addition to taking into consideration the character of would-be immigrants, Washington was concerned about the number of foreigners led into the country at any given time. That is, he was concerned about assimilation, both in terms of whether the individual or group of individuals will be capable of being assimilated into the American culture, and whether the sheer numbers of immigrants would overwhelm the existing American culture, making assimilation difficult, if not impossible. Now, we're being overwhelmed of people whose characters we know nothing about. So this is how you destroy a country. Of course, this is precisely what is taking place today and is intentional. Biden and Democrat Party policy. 
Now, West points out Washington noted the problem created when too many foreigners settled at one time at one location. In a letter to Vice President John Adams, here's what Washington said. Who's going to take you through this history? If I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Quote, the policy or advantage of immigration taking place in a body, I mean the settling of them in a body, may be much questioned. For by doing so, they retain the language, habits, and principles, good or bad, which they bring with them. Whereas by an intermixture with our people, they or their descendants get assimilated to our customs, measures, and laws, and a word soon become one people. Thomas Jefferson questioned the, quote, present desire of America to produce rapid population by as great an importation of foreigners as possible. In doing so, he gave one of the fullest explanations of the principles shared by the founding generation guiding their thoughts on immigration. Jefferson's point of departure was his concern for liberty. Here's what he said. Every species of government has its specific principles. Ours, perhaps, are more peculiar than those of any other in the universe. It is a composition of the freest principles of the English Constitution with others, derived from nature's right and natural reason. In other words, Jefferson was alluding to the uniqueness of the American culture and society and the principles on which it was founded as set forth in the Declaration of Independence, the constitutional system established to undergird those principles and unique nature of America's Republican government. He said this is another reason you can't just have open borders and anybody can come in. And as much as most foreigners immigrating to the United States have been marinated in other cultures and governing systems, Jefferson argued that mass migration makes it much more difficult, if not impossible, to assimilate these individuals into American culture and society. Hamilton said the same thing. And I won't bother quoting you, quoting him. But America's founding fathers believed that the purpose of immigration is to benefit the existing citizenry and society, not the interests of aliens who wish to come to the United States. After all, the representatives of the people are supposed to represent the people. That's the point of representative government, not championing the interests of foreign nationals. But for the Democrat Party, as Biden essentially declared, the purpose of immigration is the fundamental transformation of America, or more specifically, the citizenry. For Biden, the only issue that matters is the racial makeup of immigrants and the speed by which their policies will change the existing majority-minority racial demographics. Because Biden is a racist. And he always has been. For the Democrat Party, immigration is also viewed as another opportunity for fundamentally transforming American society and culture. It sees new immigrants as blank slates, unattached to the nation's founding principles and history, the capitalist system and America's culture, believes new immigrants can be more easily indoctrinated, manipulated, and persuaded by the party's advocacy of civil rights Marxism and political authoritarianism. And of course, the Democrat Party is convinced that its domination of the media, entertainment, and academia, plus its racist and segregationist propaganda, will appeal to new immigrants more effectively than to homegrown U.S. citizens. This is primarily why Biden, the Democrat Party, and the American Marxists insist on open borders and have no intention of reversing course. And he goes on for another 25 pages. I pull this book out repeatedly. 
I don't care if one more copy sells. Sells. I pull this book out repeatedly because it's the most important book of this election. Because the Democrat Party does hate America. Chapter after chapter, paragraph after paragraph, sentence after sentence, as you go through it, you can see its application to today, and it explains exactly what's taking place, whether it's the police state, whether it's open borders, whether it's racism, whether it's civil rights, Marxism, economic socialism, it's all right there. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. Call them, and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we've been on this subject of immigration. We've been on this subject of Iran with nukes, which I'm going to get to next, because nobody's talking about the fact that Iran is going to have a nuclear weapon. It's not a matter now of it developing it. It's just a matter now of connecting the dots. It already has the material. It's got the ICBM technology. And now they have it. And they have enough to build seven nuclear missiles. And Joe Biden is focusing his entire time on crushing Israel and the government of Israel. And trying to destroy Israel both internally and externally. He has said not a damn thing about nukes. This guy Kirby, I told you, he's a fraudulent admiral. He's a joke. He's been in communications the vast majority of his naval career. That said, he's also a skilled liar, demagogue, and propagandist. There's nothing classy about the man. Slick Kirby is no damn good. And he just is a mouthpiece for the worst, most evil administration in modern times. Now, stick with me. I'll be right back. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold, 
a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial tax professional. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I've played this before, but it's worth emphasizing right now. The former Democrat governor of Colorado, Richard Lamb, since deceased in 2003, in Washington, D.C., at an event where he was supposed to speak about something else, decides to talk about immigration. And you know, when you have a show this large, all corners of the earth, people come and go. Sometimes they don't hear certain things, so I want people to hear this. He said, I want to tell you how to destroy America. Go. I would like to share with you my plan to destroy America. If you think, and some do, that America is too smug, too rich, too self-satisfied, not diverse enough, too white bread, I have this plan. Toynbee, you know, said that all great nations rise and they all fall. And he said, and the autopsy of history is all great nations commit suicide. So here's my plan, eight parts. Number one, I'd make it a bilingual, bicultural country. History shows us that no bilingual, bicultural country lives at peace with itself. There's not one, I believe, that doesn't exist with an incredible amount of tension and conflict, if not civil war. My second part of my plan would be to invent something called multiculturalism. This would be two parts. Number one, I would say that all cultures are created equal. It would make no difference and make it impossible to talk about such things as culture. And the second one is that I would really try very hard to make people continue their cultural identity. I would replace the melting pot with the salad bowl. My third part of my plan would be to make the fastest growing demographic group in that country the least educated. I would add a second underclass to the first underclass, unassimilated, undereducated, antagonistic, and then I'd have 50% of them drop out of school, not graduate from high school. The fourth part of my plan would be to get the big foundations to fund, and big business, to fund these efforts with lots of money. I would invest in ethnic identity and uh, victimology. I would get them to think about their lack of success was only the fault of the majority. I would start a grievance industry. The fifth part of my plan is I would develop dual citizenship. I would promise people actually divided loyalties, allow them to allow both for, vote for both Vincente Fox and George Bush. The sixth part, and this is important, I would place all of these subjects off limits. I would make it taboo to talk about, actually, or criticize this whole thing. I would make it uh, come up with a word like heretic used to be 200 years ago. Let's say we call it racist. 
and I would try to accuse anybody of this that would object to my ideas. My seventh part then, I would make it impossible to enforce our immigration laws. I would develop a mantra, let's call it this, that uh, because immigration has been good in the past for America, it will continue to be uh, good in the future. My eighth and last part, and it's important, is I would censor this book. This man is dangerous. He's on to my plan. Don't read this book. Victor Davis Hanson's book, book Mexifornia. Now, they keep talking about bipartisan legislation that the Senate had prepared. It wasn't bipartisan. Three or four Republicans voted for it. That's not bipartisan. That's a joke. Mitch McConnell, with his, with his lapdog Lankford, negotiated it in secret. So none of the other Republicans even knew what was in it. And they did it in secret because this is the way totalitarian regimes function. And so I wouldn't have it and warn you about it. But as soon as it came out, I read it. It was a long monstrosity. People on TV were defending it. They hadn't even read it. It had poison pills throughout. It had escape clauses throughout. It was not the toughest border bill ever proposed by anybody. Despite what liberals say on panels, on TV, and all the rest of it, it was a joke. Loophole after loophole after loophole and enshrined numbers of illegal immigrants in numbers we'd never seen before in American modern history. But there was a bill that was proposed in March, excuse me, on May 2nd, 2023, by the Republicans in the House. And it went to the Senate, called H.R. 2, and they wouldn't even discuss it. Now, you hear people say this, but you don't know what was in H.R. 2, do you? You hear people say, we offered H.R. 2, which was the most aggressive effort ever to secure our border. So what was in it? Well, let me give you some examples. And why Schumer wouldn't take it up and why McConnell wouldn't fight for it. Among other things, according to its own summary, it required the Department of Homeland Security to resume activities to construct a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. It provides statutory authorization for Operation Stone Garden, which provides grants to law enforcement agencies for certain border security operations. It prohibited DHS from processing the entry of non-U.S. nationals, aliens under federal law, arriving between ports of entry. That is, no processing of anybody who tries to steal their way into the country. It limits asylum eligibility to non-U.S. nationals who arrive in the United States at a port of entry. It authorizes the removal of a non-U.S. national to a country other than individual country of nationality or last lawful habitual residence. In other words, some of these countries now, like Venezuela, won't take them back. And so this law, this would-be law, said, then you send them back to the last place they came from, like Mexico or wherever. Expands the types of crimes that may make an individual ineligible for asylum, such as a conviction for driving while intoxicated, causing another person serious bodily injury or death. 
authorizes DHS to suspend the introduction of certain non-U.S. nationals at an international border if DHS determines that the suspension is necessary to achieve operational control of that border. Prohibits states from imposing licensing requirements on immigration detention facilities used to detain minors. The blue states, of course, were trying to regulate their way out of this. Authorizes immigration officers to permit an unaccompanied alien child to withdraw their application for admission into the United States, even if the child is unable to make an independent decision to withdraw the application. It imposes additional penalties for overstaying a visa and requires DHS to create an electronic employment eligibility confirmation system modeled after E-Verify system requires all employers to use the system. Slam shut the border in between the ports. Slam shuts anybody seeking asylum in between the ports. The right to remove anybody through deportation. Prevents across the board in every instance the hiring of an illegal alien. And the other things it doesn't say here supplies significant amounts of money to beef up the border patrol to do border patrolling. Not diaper changing. This was HR2. No loopholes. Just right plain English. And the Senate would not take it up. Less than a year ago. Instead they come up with this cockamamie crap. Where they want you to believe that Congress has actually done something. The President's actually done something. Joe Biden has burned down the border. And he's taking a fire extinguisher. And telling you. Let's pass this in the law. I will get credit for fixing the border. But every damn loophole. We will exercise in order to actually prevent us from doing what we claim we are doing. This is a two-faced, mealy-mouthed, nasty, chameleon man in the Oval Office. He doesn't give a damn. We now know more about this poor girl, this nursing student. Her head was hit so hard with a blunt object... So often that the medical report says her skull was disfigured. That suggests you hit somebody in the head with a bat or shovel or God knows what. They fall to the ground and you keep pounding their head, Mr. Producer. I want you to think about that, how it sounded, what it must have done. A beautiful young woman who was going to contribute to this society and help people as a nurse. By some punk sleazeball from Venezuela who had committed other crimes while he was here, but not enough, apparently, for New York City to do anything about it. We've had up to 10 million people come into this country illegally. About 400,000 of them are unknown gotaways, they call them. They don't know a thing about them. Nothing. They're in our streets. They're in our communities. 
They're in our schools. You have no idea if your number's going to come up, if your ticket's going to be punched, you don't have the foggiest idea. Minding your own business, walking into a 7-Eleven. Minding your own business, taking the subway. Minding your own business, taking a bus. Minding your own business, taking a jog. It's all over the country now. People being raped and murdered and assaulted. We have enough of that in our country without importing it. Massive amounts of resources redistributed from American citizens, many of whom desperately need them, to foreigners, aliens who just step into the country and are handed credit cards, cell phones, hotel rooms, three squares a day. I mean, what the hell is this? Joe Biden's going to go to the border, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to go to the border in the next 36 to 48 hours. Where he's going to tell you, but for the Republicans, but for this legislation, but for Donald Trump telling them not to sign it, but for them making it a political issue, an election issue, but for all that, we would have a secure border. But I'm here, Joe Biden. I'm here to sign what I can do. I want to do more. They won't let me do more, but I'm going to sign an executive order, maybe more than one. And I'm going to secure that border the very best I can. And the media will applaud. And the leftists on cable TV. Why don't the Republicans just get behind this? I'm a person who believes in solutions. Why don't they just fix this? Put the politics aside. I mean, Donald Trump telling them. Don't go for the bill. Donald Trump said don't go for the bill because it is a horrendous bill. It is a lie. It is a fig leaf. To cover an ugly lie. And people opposed it and voted against it. Not because they were told to. They're not Democrats. Who walk in lockstep, vote in lockstep. No, it's because they're patriots who know this is crap. And yes, it's about damn time that Joe Biden and his party is held to account. They call it politics. I call it responsibility and accountability. It's time to hold them responsible for what they're doing to our country. Whether it's the border, whether it's the economy, whether it's our police forces, whether it's the military, it's time to hold them accountable. And if that's political, so damn well be it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, by the time you finish listening to this message, the U.S. government will print $8,300 in new money. That's every minute. That's 276 new dollars every single second. Money that won't go to defending our nation or improving our roads. It's wiping away the value of your dollar and your savings. I'm Mark Levin, and I have warned Americans about this crisis. That's why I'm recommending to all my listeners, diversify in precious metals while you still can. And the only gold company I strongly support is Advantage Gold. 
a five-star rated gold company. They can educate you with the real facts, including why gold may be the single best investment of this decade. Call them right now, folks. 800-900-8000. It's that simple. Tell them Mark Levin sent you, and they'll provide you with a 100% free Golden Shield Wealth Plan to show you exactly how to get started investing in gold right now. Don't wait until it's too late. That's 800-900-8000. Call them and remember to tell them you heard it from me, Mark Levin. Performance may vary, of course. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should always consult your financial and tax professional. By the way, I watched this hearing in Atlanta. Fannie Willis, her lover Wade... This other lawyer, what a bunch of liars. And under oath, she's trying to make the case. They all are, desperately, and they have failed, desperately, that their affair started after. After she decided. uh, After he'd become, rather, the special prosecutor. Now, why is that important? It's important because you're not supposed to hire your lover and put them on the public payroll. Do everything in cash because that's what black people do, you know. They don't have credit cards. They do everything in cash. She'll say anything. It's sick. And, of course, uh, the entire operation is poison. They had communications with the Biden White House. We know that for a fact. And there's also a report that the Biden White House had an operative within Fannie Willis's operation. It's sleazy, just like Alvin Bragg and what he's doing is sleazy. Just like what Letitia James has done is sleazy. Just like what Jack Smith is doing is sleazy. Sick. There should be headlines in every newspaper, in every news report, broadcast, TV or radio, that now even the UN today warns about Iran nukes. Not a single question asked or answered today. Joe Biden's walking around with an ice cream comb up his nostrils. I'm telling you folks, these are grave times. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, to cut to the chase. Our representatives are supposed to represent us, we the American citizen, the American people. That's what they're there for. That's what a representative republic is all about. 
not to try and change the citizenry, try to change their own constituency. And that's what's going on through the Democrat Party and the rhinos. You know, Bush was for this sort of stuff, too, but not a completely open border. Now we have a completely open border, but now they're going to fix it. Unbelievable. The U.N. nuclear watchdog, writes Barron's, the IAEA. So this is the U.N., which is pro-Iran, pro-Hamas, has voiced growing concern of Iran's ability to build nuclear weapons. Fueled by recent public statements in the country, according to a confidential report seen by the French press agency, Tensions between Iran and the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, have repeatedly flared since 2015. In the report, IAEA head Rafael Grassi said that public statements made in Iran regarding its technical capabilities to produce nuclear weapons have only increased concerns about the correctness and completeness of Iran's safeguards declarations. Iran has reduced its cooperation with the IAEA by deactivating surveillance devices for monitoring the nuclear program and barring inspectors, among other measures. Ahead of an IAEA, again, that's the UN, Board of Governors meeting next week, Grassi reiterated his call on Tehran to cooperate fully and unambiguously with the, with the agency. Tehran, the Islamo-Nazi regime, is going to have a nuke. They're going to have seven of them. They've already processed the uh, material to weapons-grade levels. They weren't even close when Trump left office. You don't hear a word, nothing, from this administration about it. And there's no reason Iran shouldn't just finish, sprint to the finish line. Because there will be absolutely no consequences. I want you to think about this. And why am I the only person talking about this? It's like talking about the budget and the deficit several years ago. I said, why am I the only one talking about Because people want hits. They do things for ratings. They do things. I don't know. I don't know. But that's not how I view this microphone or the TV camera or any of these things that I do. Only through constructive and meaningful engagement can these concerns be addressed. So you see, what a joke. Statements by officials and politicians about Iran's technical capabilities have strained an already fraught relationship with the IAEA. And it goes on. And of course, they'll blame it on Trump. They can blame it on whomever they want. They haven't done a damn thing about it. In a separate confidential report seen by the French press agency, the agency said that Iran's estimated stockpile of enriched uranium has reached more than 27 times the limit that they had agreed to. Iran's total enrichment uranium stockpile was estimated, and it gives these enormous numbers, the kilograms. Nuclear weapons require uranium enriched to 90% while enrichment to 3.6% permitted under the deal is enough for nuclear power stations. But they're well beyond that. 
asked about the decision by Tehran to downblend some of its stockpile of near-weapons-grade uranium, the diplomat alluded to potential political motivations. Iran may not want to increase the tension. They may have some agreement with somebody, the diplomat said, adding that Tehran was still producing non-kilograms of uranium enriched up to 60% purity per month. Now, let me tell you what I think. And I wish we actually had oversight, not just in the House, but actually in the Senate, but the Democrats don't want oversight. If I had to guess, probably through intermediaries, the Biden administration has cut some kind of deal with Iran. I'm just making a supposition here based on reason and rationality, which is why they're not attacking Iran. My guess is they've made some kind of deal that tells them that they can have this enriched uranium, water it down a bit, which means they can upload it very easily to the next to the highest levels, the nuclear levels, in a very, very short period of time. And uh, because we don't want this to happen on our watch. Doesn't that make sense, Mr. Producer? This is a big problem. Reacting to the reports, the United States said it was seriously concerned about Iran's continued expansion of its nuclear program in ways that have no credible civilian purpose, says Matthew Miller at the State Department. Gee, very sort of think tankish, white paperish. That's that's it. According to Eric Brewer of the U.S. Research Institute Nuclear Threat Initiative, the bigger picture continues to be extremely concerning. He said there doesn't appear to be a viable diplomatic pathway for rolling the program back anytime soon. The UNIAEA had warned in November that Iran's unprecedented move to bar several of its inspectors had directly and seriously affected the U.N. body work. Well, that's what matters, the work of the U.N., you know. And so uh, I suspect there's some secret deals going on behind the scenes that our Congress doesn't know about it. I suspect this is why one of the reasons that they haven't attacked Iran, which, of course, they should. That's my suspicion. But uh, who knows? Because this administration doesn't tell anybody anything about anything. And there's no significant. You know, you got this guy, Mike McCall from Texas. He's the chairman of an extremely extremely powerful committee. And I will never come on any of my shows because I've been a very serious critic of this guy. He's always, you know, a day late, maybe a month late, maybe a year late. Still digging into what happened with the withdrawal, the surrender in Afghanistan, and the administration isn't giving them documents. So he quietly says, well, you know, we may have to subpoena these documents and hold the Secretary in contempt. And then he moves on. Nothing comes of it. Nothing. Iran's going to have nukes. It's going to be like all of a sudden North Korea. Oh, look at that. North Korea's nukes. North Korea has dozens and dozens of nukes now. Administrations, Republican and Democrat, sought to prevent that. Paid tens of billions of dollars to the regime to try and buy them off. But North Korea now has nukes. 
This used to be a big thing. Everybody's saying, don't support Ukraine. Russia has nukes. For God's sakes, they might use them. Excuse me. If Russia was going to use them, we would have used them already. I hate to tell you. But Iran? Iran? If they have nukes? And all the pressures on Israel. All the attentions on Israel. Because Biden does not want Israel destroying Hamas. Period. Because he has a block of Hamas supporting River to Sea Islamists in Dearbornistan and other parts of Michigan, in Minnesota, and other places. And it doesn't matter if the Iranians get nukes. It doesn't matter if Hamas survives. The issue is whether Joe Biden's ass survives so he can get four more years to destroy our country. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free, brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You know, it's always an honor to have Peter Schweitzer on the show. He adds so much to the public debate, and all of it is very well-researched, very, very important. He doesn't write books about himself. He doesn't write books that are really tell-all books. He writes books about substantive things that affect our country. And his newest book, I think, is a powerful book, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. It's number one on Amazon right now. It's number one on Amazon for a reason, because it is an absolutely crucial book. So you know what's happening to your country. And one of the things that Peter does is he, he names names. He stands by his research. Peter, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Great to be with you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And, you know, Peter, there are people who will put you on their programs because they want ratings, they want hits. I put you on my program because I want people to read your books. And I put you on my program because I want to give you an opportunity to talk. We covered some of this on Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. But you would really need hour after hour and after hour this book is so compelling. First of all, let's start at the beginning. Why did you write this book? Why did you take on this subject? And as you started to chip away and look into this, did you go, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. How did this go? 
Yeah, I mean, great question, Mark. You know, I, I've watched, um, you know, what's gone on to the country. You've talked about it. I think a lot of people talk about it, about it around the dinner table. Like, what is happening to our country? Um, they see the violence in the streets. Uh, they see the, you know, the plague of drugs. They see the social unrest. They see the violence. Uh, and they wonder what's going on. And the explanation that's usually uh, given is, uh, you know, it's just the de- decay of our society. Um, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I guess that's probably part of it. But, you know, I started looking into the accelerants, as it were, the things that have really picked up in the last five years. Uh, and what I find found, Mark, is that China has a hand behind a lot of it. Um, that's not to say they caused it, but they've certainly fanned the flames. Um, and it's part of a strategy they have called disintegration warfare. And so the social chaos in our country, whether it's the, you know, the, the violent protests, whether it's the trans movement, uh, you find the hands of China, the money of China, the activism um, and covert activities of China in it. Uh, when you look at the, the plague of drugs, fentanyl, the leading cause of death of people under the age of 45, most people don't know that they're even taking fentanyl. Um, and when they talk about it on you know, the news, Mark, they say, oh, the Mexican cartels are doing this, they're doing that. They are. But they were set up to do it, and they are being helped to do it by the Chinese government. This is part of a deliberate strategy. Um, the two of the biggest funders of the trans movement in the United States happen to be billionaires in China of all places. So it was it was very shocking to me. I didn't think it would take me to China uh, in terms of the analysis, uh, but that's where we ended up. Um, and our country is at war, and we need to wake up to the fact that we are at war and war is being waged on us. And let's name some names. You name them in the book. Let's talk about, as an example, Gavin Newsom, who is really a demagogue of the worst order, the way he goes around, what he says, and so forth and so on, but he goes to China and basically plays a basketball game and kisses Xi's ass. Tell us about yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other uh, part of this book, Mark. Part of it is what China's doing to us. The other part is why our leaders are letting them do it, and they're not even calling them out. Gavin Newsom is a prime example of that. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom went to China, as you said, um, was very, very soft. He said he asked Chinese officials about fentanyl, but said there's no finger pointing. I'm not going to point any fingers. Uh, meanwhile, fentanyl deaths in California are up more than 1,200 percent since 2016. Um, and the question is why? I mean, you could just say, okay, he's stupid, uh, but there's more than that. I mean, we did we dug in, and what we found, Mark, was that uh, he has a long history going back to his tenure as the mayor of San Francisco of commercial ties and entanglements with figures in Chinese organized crime. And I, I don't say that, use that term Chinese organized crime loosely. Uh, this is who those people are. So when he was mayor of San Francisco, uh, he appointed a gentleman to be the head of economic development for, for Chinatown. He picked a guy named Alan Lung, who ended up being a dragon head, that is a leader of a Chinese organized crime syndicate involved in the drug trade. And you think, okay, well, you know, maybe he made a mistake. But then there was a guy on his transition team as mayor who was also the member of a criminal gang involved in the drug trade. He became then became friends with a guy who was allegedly a reformed gang leader in Chinese organized crime, went by the, the, the name Shrimp Boy, of all things, uh, gave money. Gavin Newsom's office gave money to the nonprofit that this guy was running. 
Turns out he was also a dragon head in Chinese organized crime. Then as mayor of San Francisco, he decides to launch a program called China SF, China San Francisco, designed to bring Chinese investment dollars into San Francisco. What, what could possibly go wrong? But the person that he picked um, to partner, the Chinese businessman in China he picked, of all people, was a guy named Vincent Lowe, who well-established, well-known to have links to Chinese organized crime. And in fact, many of the companies that came into San Francisco through China SF, I named them in the book, uh, are linked to Chinese organized crime. So, you know, you wonder, does this guy actually ha- want to have a conversation about the drug trade? Who's involved and who's doing it and the gangs involved? No, he doesn't, because it will blow back on him. Uh, and that's the problem we have with him. We have with Joe Biden uh, and, and we have with uh um, other people like Adam Schiff. Well, I want to get to him now. We, we're coming to the bottom of the hour. Let's start with Adam Schiff. And when we take the hard break, we'll continue with Adam Schiff as necessary. But Adam Schiff wants now to be a senator. Adam Schiff was one of the chief reprobates trying to tie Russia to Trump. They, they failed and never existed. And yet he has ties to the communist regime. Explain that. Yeah, no, so Adam Schiff was the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. Of course, it was Russia collusion. He never once, uh, as chairman of that committee, held any hearings, did anything on fentanyl in China. Uh, he went on cable TV and talked all the time about the monkeypox virus and about the Ebola virus, which has killed maybe one or two Americans. Meanwhile, his district has been ravaged by fentanyl. Since 2016, deaths are up more than 1,100% but he will not cause a call out China. And the question is why. And the reason is in his district, there are criminal enterprises that have been involved in money laundering, including money laundering the drug trade. And some of those people in the districts have been campaign donors and or friends or acquaintances of Adam Schiff. And there are a number of them. I'll just give one example. Uh, a guy named Adnan Kawaja ran a company called Allied Wallet. It was in his district, became pals with Adam Schiff. He and executives in the company donated more than $100,000 to his 2016 campaign. Uh, Gawaja introduced um, Adam Schiff to a a Saudi royal prince in Beverly Hills. Um, Gawaja, of course, is involved in money laundering. Hold on to that point. Hold on to that point. It's Peter Schweitzer. We don't want to miss the point. It's a fantastic book. I don't want you to I don't want you to forget to go to Amazon.com. You can grab it right now. Blood money, why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans. You can get it at Amazon.com and now any bookstore or any internet site. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility 
for your free, brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Very important book, America, Blood Money. Why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans. Blood Money. So, Peter Schweitzer, did you want to finish with Adam Smith? Adam Smith, do you want to finish with Schiff so I can move on to a few others as well? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, you know, bottom line, Adnan um, Kawaja uh, became friends with Adam Schiff, introduced him to Saudi royalty, gave him more than one hundred thousand dollars in twenty sixteen uh, for campaign contributions. By the way, when when Schiff accepted those donations, it was known already that Kawaja was under investigation by the FBI for money laundering and other criminal activities. He fled the country. Turns out that that company was involved with Chinese organized crime money laundering on a massive scale. And Kawaja is an international fugitive right now. So this is Mm. one of several examples of so does Adam Schiff want to talk about China and the fentanyl trade? No, he doesn't, because it's going to blow back on him, and he's going to have to answer some very, very difficult questions about the people he was accepting money from. Now, you talk in the book about the likes of AOC. So AOC pops up on your radar. What did you find out? Yeah, so if you look at China, China has a strategy of disintegration warfare. They want to fragment the country. And they watch very closely what's going on in American politics. Uh, we got access to internal communications from a, a Chinese body called the Center for the Study of Foreign Marxist Parties. And this is a, a body that serves as sort of an intelligence service for the Central Committee of the CCP. And in those communications, they talk about with great enthusiasm what AOC and Bernie Sanders are doing on the American political landscape. Uh, they talk about in these reports about how the China, the sorry, the Communist Party USA, you know, is in shambles. It really doesn't have much influence on American politics. But AOC and Bernie Sanders are not perfect vehicles, but they are still vehicles that the CCP can and is using to advance its interests in the United States. Uh, and again, she has a very uh, AOC has a very pro-China tilt. She does not talk about the fentanyl crisis that is ravaging her district in New York. Uh, she talks about taxes and soaking the rich and all those sort of ideas. But she does not want to have a conversation because it is going to blow back on her. And the CCP is very favorably disposed by what they see her doing in American politics. And it's not just Democrats and Marxists. It's Republicans, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, a couple of them. Uh, one would be Mitch McConnell, the Speaker of the House. Uh, sorry, the Speaker of the House, the Senate, uh, leader right. of the Republicans. Yeah. Um, and Mitch McConnell, again, has nothing to say about China's ro- role in fentanyl. There are other issues that Kentucky faces uh, that China is causing, increased on violence of the streets in Kentucky because of these uh, devices that the Chinese are smuggling into Kentucky that convert handguns into machine guns. So you'd think that he would want to confront the Chinese on this, but he does not. Uh, and the reason is that his family owns a shipping company called Foremost, uh, her, his wife's family, uh, and they are wholly dependent upon the Chinese. And he knows that if he says something that offends the Chinese, they can destroy the business overnight. 
An additional problem, uh, Mark, is an organization that I, I like a lot of what they do, the Club for Growth. The problem is one of their biggest donors, uh, uh, a guy named Let Jeff me guess. Gass, one of their biggest donors, because I read your book, is a <laughs> massive investor in TikTok. Exactly right. One of the biggest shareholders. Uh, TikTok, some believe, is a $100 billion company, um, and he owns 20% of the company. So his stake is $20 billion. His firm uh, owns that stake. So what he's doing is going around and trying to pressure Republicans into not supporting a ban on TikTok, not supporting a forced sale of TikTok, which was Trump's policy, which I think is the best solution, uh, because he wants to keep his money, even though there is ample evidence that I show in the book uh, that the Chinese, one of their officials, considers uh, TikTok to be a Trojan horse that they're using against the West. And I describe all the techniques that they say they're already using on TikTok uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, manipulate young people in this country. And yet this investor, this individual is trying to pressure Republicans to avoid a ban or avoid a forced sale of TikTok. So let's be clear, the Club for Growth, which we all have supported in the past one way or another. Yeah. It's if it's not its major donor, it's certainly one of their biggest is a multi-billionaire who's made a fortune off of TikTok and working with the communist Chinese through that company. And you have other stories. And it's just the, the extent, the reach of the communist Chinese. You know, the next book ought to be about Qatar, by the way. It's just unbelievable yeah. what they control. But that said, there's so many. Is it fair to say that so much of American policy of American politics has been bought and paid for by the Communist Party regime? Yes, yes. And not only the Communist Party regime, Mark, but uh, one of the themes in the book is how much the CCP regime is fused with Chinese organized crime. That, that President Xi, he developed and grew up and advanced in the Chinese Communist Party in Fujian province, which is the heartbeat of Chinese organized crime. And he basically struck a bargain with them and said, you can sell all the drugs to the West. You can do all your criminal activity, just be pro-CCP. And they said, that's a great deal. And so it's not just the CCP, it's Chinese organized crime to the extent that Joe Biden himself and his family, um, there's a Chinese criminal leader who goes by the name White Wolf, who heads up a group called UBG. This is the group that everybody in Mexico says set up the Sinaloa cartel and made them the kings of fentanyl. They're the ones that have the vast majority of fentanyl pouring into our country. White Wolf had a business partner. That business partner gave the Biden family $5 million. Mm-hmm. So you literally have one degree of separation between our first family and the kings of fentanyl. Um, and so it's not just the CCP. You're absolutely right. It's actually elements of Chinese organized crime that are engaged mm-hmm. in criminal activities like drug smuggling in the United States. Is it also probably the reason why Biden would not really confront Xi and others would not confront Xi over the pandemic? I mean, they they didn't push them. They didn't pressure them. There have been damn few hearings, particularly in the Senate with the Democrats and so forth. Is it because they really don't want to know the facts? Yes, that's that's exactly right. Another example of. Americans being killed by communist China, not just the virus, the the COVID virus itself, Mark, but 
We now know that for two months, they knew that this virus was transferable from human to human, um, and they didn't tell the West. And during those two months, as I showed with, with leaked government documents, they cornered the market on protective masks. I'm not talking about the silly cloth ones that they were telling us to wear. I'm talking about the actual K95 masks that our doctors and nurses needed to treat sick people. We didn't have any of them in 2020. The reason was the Chinese lied about it, cornered the market, and then used that against us. So they maximized our body count and they manipulated us into lockdowns uh, by injecting false information uh, into our country. There was a, a study, you remember, by a Professor Ferguson, Imperial College of London, that said if we don't imitate the Chinese with massive lockdowns, there will be 2 million people dead in the United States within a year. And this shocked everybody. This shocked the White House. This shocked Congress. Turns out that that report, which triggered so much lockdown activity in America, was actually funded and, and conducted by Chinese research scientists. Imperial College of London has a long association with the CCP. I talk about it in the book. So this was their effort to get us to be like them. Um, and to a certain extent, they were at least successful in places like California and, and New York. Folks, this book, I'm telling you, you your jaw is going to hit the floor from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, you know, Peter Schweitzer is really the one of the few real investigative journalists that exists anymore. He and his team, uh, this used to be what journalists did and have done. And I understand you're going to be on Jesse Waters tonight on Fox. Is that correct? Yes, I'll be on with Jesse Waters at 830 Eastern tonight. Are you getting, I hope, a lot of offers to come on from different Fox hosts and hosts in other, uh, on other platforms? Uh, we are, yes. We are, we are getting some. We always welcome more. You know, the challenges with a lot of media outlets, surprising media outlets, they, they have either business deals in China or they want to do business in China. So that is, that is always an issue. Mm -hmm. Well, every conservative should have you on their TV program or their radio program or their website or whatever their podcast, because this is so crucial for our country to understand what's going on. Is it fair to say that Joe Biden, I've called him the Manchurian president. You've written about him before and so forth and so on that he treats G with respect you know, he treats Netanyahu like like he's a dog, but he treats Xi with respect. When he talks to Xi, he slobbers all over him. Blinken slobbers all over him. Is it fair to say that with all the money that's gone into the, the Biden crime family, all the money that's been used to influence our government, to influence the political party system, is it fair to say that Biden constantly has that in the back of his mind when he's making decisions about communist China? Oh, I don't think there's any question. And all you have to do is look at how he has failed to even raise the fentanyl issue in any serious way. I mean, China runs it from the precursors. The port that the precursors come into Mexico is run by a Chinese company. There are 2000 Chinese nationals in a town south of our border in Mexico that help the cartels create the fentanyl. The money laundering that the cartels do is now through Chinese state owned banks. This is a Chinese operation. And what does Joe Biden do? He says, well, there's no finger pointing. We're not going to point fingers at China. 
Uh, Tony Blinken went on CBS News last year and said, you know, he thinks his theory, Mark, is, well, some of those precursors are probably shipped by accident to Mexico by the Chinese. I mean, this is the level of absurdity it's reached. So when people say to me, well, how has this affected Joe Biden's policies? Look at fentanyl. We are losing 100,000 people a year. It's the leading cause of death for people under 45 in the United States today. Joe Biden will not even publicly confront the Chinese on this issue. Just imagine if the roles are reversed, if we were doing this to the Chinese. Uh, they would be in our face about it, and rightfully so. And yet our president will not even raise this issue uh, publicly about this issue. You could see we can go on for hours, folks, but we don't have to. You can get this book. It's on sale immediately at Amazon.com. I'm looking there. If you order right now, you'll have it tomorrow morning. Uh, you got one hour to do it. It's in every major bookstore. It's on every major online bookstore as well. As I said, Amazon.com. And uh, I, I want to thank you again. You do a fantastic job. Your team does. The people who support the Government Accountability Project do a fantastic job. And this book is absolutely crucial, folks, absolutely crucial to have this as far as I'm concerned. And I hope you'll grab your copy immediately. Peter Schweitzer will be on with Jesse Waters tonight. And uh, you can enjoy watching that as well. I want to thank you, buddy. You take care of yourself now. Watch over your shoulders every now and then. I do. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate your support. All right. God bless. He's the best. He's a good man. Folks, please get the book. Not for me. Not for Peter, for you. People need to know what's going on in this republic. And you scratch your head and you wonder why certain things aren't being done and other things are being done. This helps explain it. That's for sure. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fees, just a Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk will connect you to the most dependable 5G network in America for half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and claim your eligibility for your free, brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Levin to switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You've got Blood Money, which is a great book, Craig Shirley's book on Reagan, which is a great book. I'm not doing book notes here. I'm just... If there's certain authors who I know are outstanding or certain books that I know are outstanding, I want to bring them to you. Nikki Haley, uh, she's lost her mind, which I guess is why the Wall Street Journal editorial page is so enamored with her. Axios points out here, suicide for our country, says Nikki Haley, if Trump is elected. So she's gone from, I'm not going to run if he runs. To, I'm not going to attack him personally. To, he's too old. He's too chaotic. 
to, if he wins, it's going to be the country's suicide. The nation's suicide. And then the Wall Street Journal and one of our friends at National, you have the nerve to say, how is Trump going to bring these Nikki Haley supporters into the tent? Now, that's not the question. Why is Nikki Haley trying to burn down the tent? Because it's all about Nikki. More when I return. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. James Carville is a sickly little bastard. And he says to Biden, on TV, of course, you better fix this Netanyahu issue because you can't let that man defeat the Democrats in your election. They've been trying to destroy Netanyahu. They've thrown Israel under the bus. They stab Israel in the back. And they've all told us why they're doing it. Because of a relatively small minority... And I'm not talking about Arabs and Muslims. I'm talking about Islamists. And nobody ever talks about this. They oppose Biden's position in the Middle East. Well, what is it that they want? River to the sea. They've told us. They're imams. In Dearbornistan, Michigan, have told us. NBC News doesn't go to Dearbornistan, Michigan, to interview individuals who promote neo-Nazism and extermination of the Jews, some of the imams there. We have to go online to memory.org and others. But they don't send their people. They're the busy looking at CPAC. The Democrat Party is loaded with Islamists, Marxists, a.k.a. neo-Nazis. Loaded with them. So is the State Department. But no stories there. So you got to get rid of Netanyahu. You got to destroy Israel's ability to defend itself. Hamas must live, although more Jews will die. And this is what's going on. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley, rather than focusing on Biden, oh, she's great on foreign policy, she's doing everything she can to sabotage Trump. 
Anybody who's endorsed her now, that's the deal. Suicide for our country, says Nikki Haley. If Donald Trump's elected, suicide for our country. She's gone from, I will not run if he runs, to, I'm running, but I'm not going to attack him, to, we need a new generation, a younger generation. We need a woman. To, we must defeat Trump to save our country. It'll be national suicide. Axios thinks everybody's stupid, so they tell us why this matters. Haley has repeatedly cited Trump's general election vulnerabilities as a reason for staying in the race, despite having no clear path to win the Republican nomination. And by the way, as the Michigan vote comes in, because the polls have closed there, we will inform you about everything we know. Which right now is, there's no question that Donald, I will declare him. I've checked with my elections desk, Mr. Producer, which consists of three of us, me, myself, and I. Donald Trump will win the Republican primary in Michigan. As more Michiganders will vote for him than for Nikki Haley, Kamikaze Nikki. A kamikaze Nikki is again relying on independents and Democrats because she hates the base. She, she's moved from being George Bush in address to being Mitt Romney in address. This may be his survival mode to pay his legal fees and get out of some sort of legal peril, but this is like suicide for our country, said Nikki Haley. We've got to realize that if we don't have someone who can win a general election, all we're doing is caving to the socialist left. As she sabotages him, as the Wall Street Journal editorial page sabotages him, as the likes of a Barbara Comstock and other fifth-tier-down Republican activists, lobbyists, hangers-on, attack him relentlessly. And I've told you, we'll blame them if there's a loss. Because they're saying things and doing things with Democrat Party money, with the free media, all that are intended to defeat Trump. So, Wall Street Journal says she's prophetic. Not pathetic, prophetic. If Trump loses... No, she's more than prophetic. She's a saboteur. She's trying to defeat Trump. She wants him finished. That's what she wants. Haley says, I'm doing what I believe 70% of Americans want me to do. And where does that come from? Republican voters have delivered resounding wins for Trump in every single primary context this race is over. Trump campaign spokesperson Stephen Chong said in a statement. Our focus is now on Joe Biden and the general election. That's right, but it's not hers. What I will tell you is that I have serious concerns about Donald Trump. I have more serious concerns about Joe Biden, aren't you, sweet? I have serious concerns about you. You're a grifter? When you weren't governor, 
You sat on boards of corporations, which is fine. Ladies and gentlemen, she was charging $100,000 a speech, even to charitable organizations. I don't do a lot of speaking. I haven't done a paid speech in maybe a decade. I said, what am I doing? But even when I did, I would never charge a charity or a conservative group or any of that. And today, maybe I'll do two, three, four tops a year, maybe less. They offer honorarium, and I turn them down. Always. I turn them down. Every single time. Nikki Haley took everything she could. She became a multimillionaire after she was governor. And when you think of her career, she hasn't done very much. She made great speeches at the U.N., but she was at the U.N. thanks to Trump. And now she's saying if he's elected, it's suicidal for the nation. Nobody says that. Nobody said that about Trump. Not any of his competitors said that. Nobody running in the Republican primaries have said that. Maybe a Chris Christie or Sununu or Larry Hogan. But look at them. They're not, they're not even regional powers. We can't have a Republican Party that goes back to Nelson Rockefeller. Goes back to, uh, you know, Bob Michael. There we have Mitch McConnell. That's not the old Republican Party. Reaganism. She's no Reagan. Remember Reagan in the 11th Amendment? Remember Reagan in the 11th Amendment? Thou shalt not attack or criticize fellow Republicans. Now he did, obviously, from time to time, but he was always a gentleman. Nikki Haley has no class. She's demonstrating that every day. She has no principles. Doesn't stand for anything. And so she has to attack. That's what her donors want. That's what the Democrats want. And then she's really eyeballing 2028. She's hoping Trump loses. She wants Trump to lose. She wants the Republicans to lose and to lose badly. Listen to me, Mr. Producer, mark this down in case you need to bring it back. She wants the Republicans to lose. She's sabotaging Trump and the unity of the party. It's the only reason she's in the race. She cannot be, and she will not be, the nominee. So she's eyeballing 2028, and people are saying, how, isn't she destroying herself? Maybe, hopefully. But she's not talking to you. She's talking to the media. She's talking to the donors. She's talking to the corporatists. She's talking to the ruling class Republicans. And what is she saying? I told you so. That's like burning down a house. And I told you, don't play with matches. Now look, now you need me to fix things. No, I don't think so. We'll be right back. Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a CNN reporting, of course. Uh, let's see here. I'm just trying to find it. Give me, oh, 
Manju Raju, or whatever the hell his name is, over there at the constipated, a.k.a. Communist News Network, he's reporting there's bipartisan opposition to actually holding an impeachment trial in the Senate. He quotes, among others, Mitt Romney. It's a policy issue, and besides, uh, the problem would be at the top with Biden. These are people who do not want to follow their constitutional responsibilities. And ladies and gentlemen, Romney is a McConnell supporter. McConnell says he favors a full trial. But I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes in order to have a full trial. We've never had this discussion before as a country. The House impeaches and then the Senate has a duty to hold a trial. They think somebody's innocent, they find them innocent. They think somebody's guilty, you have to muster the supermajority in order to find them guilty. You don't have summary judgment, or even worse. You can't just dismiss an impeachment. Now they're going to find sleazeball law professors, sleazeball phony experts that will be quoted by the sleazeball media, all of whom are sleazeball Democrats. But we have these Republicans, like a Romney, a Christie, a Hogan. Now, a Nikki Haley and the like. They talk about law and order. They talk about the Constitution. They'll even talk about the border. But they don't do anything about it. If, in fact, the Senate doesn't take this up and hold a trial, it'll be the first time in American history that the House has actually impeached somebody and there's never been a Senate trial. So now if the party of the other body controls the Senate, they can just say, sorry, we're not taking it up. Pretty unbelievable. Well, we knew there'd be a doctor in the house here. Dr. Phil, I don't know you very well, but I've read your book. It's really quite fascinating. How are you, sir? I am well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's a pleasure. First of all, I read this book. It's a very, very patriotic book. And you go into history, you apply it to current events, the nation's psyche. What, what caused you to write this book? It's not the typical Dr. <clears throat> Phil book, I don't think. No, it's not, Mark, but it's not a typical time either, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the issue. And, you know, the, the title of the book is We've Got Issues, How to Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. And, look, I'm not political, uh, and this is not a political book. This is a book about American culture and American society. And uh, look, I was so proud when you said it's very patriotic because I'm, I'm very patriotic. I love this country. I, I stand up when the flag goes by. I, I put my hand over my heart when they sing the national anthem. And I'm, I'm proud uh, to be an American. I'm proud of this country. I, do I think it's perfect? Of course I don't. Um, with a lot of things that we can and, and need to work on. But I'm tired of people apologizing for America being America. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we've got issues, but we need people to stand up and be proud to be Americans. And we need to reclaim or certainly affirmatively claim the narrative in America. We've got, I call it the tyranny of the fringe. We, we've got these fringe activists trying to rewrite history, deny science, deny biology, change what a country that's been built on a meritocracy 
and they're pushing this agenda of a quality of outcome, which is insanity to me. I just I don't understand why we want to take a country that is is such a shining example and start trying to rewrite it. And somebody has to push back against that. And I'm not by any stretch of the imagination the only one doing that. But I would not be able to live with myself if I didn't talk about the things that I know about and and people need to have the courage to stand up and talk about. You know, Dr. Phil, um, I don't watch a ton of TV and so forth, but I see some clips like you on The View and so forth. Are you getting a lot of pushback when you show up at these various places? And even more than that, are you getting the welcome sign to come on shows of, you've been on The View, but a wide variety of shows. You're getting, you're getting people who are interested in hearing what you have to say. You know, Mark, it's, it, it's interesting. I, my interest is I want to define the debate lane in America. I'm launching a whole new network, Merritt Street Media, uh, and it launches April 2nd. And we'll be everywhere you can find We'll be cable, we'll be streaming, we'll be terrestrial. If you've got a television, you won't be able to get out of the way of Merritt Street. I think it'll be the biggest launch since Fox. And it's really interesting that I've been on the air for five years on Oprah and then 21 years of my own show on CBS. And I, I quit on top. Um, you know, people said, who, who, who walks away from the number one show? Well, mm-hmm. me because I wanted to talk about different things. I needed a broader lane. And it's interesting, as soon as I start saying things that call into question some of this woke ideology, some of this revisionist history, uh, all of a sudden people that you've worked with and been on their their shows for years and years and years, uh, all of a sudden aren't as happy to talk to you. and. What I've said is, look, maybe I'm wrong. If you think I'm wrong, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me I'm wrong Mm -hmm. because I'll debate anybody on anything I've got in that book, anything that I talk about. I'll debate anybody on it because I do my homework, Mark. There's not one thing. If you'll look in that book at the end of every Mm -hmm. chapter are dozens and dozens of uh, references, dozens and dozens of references. citations from the professional literature, the medical literature, the legal literature, the historical literature, it's all right there. And I have a, I have a brain room. Uh, It's made up of college professors that I've hired uh, over the years that vet everything that I talk about, everything that's in, we've got issues. Um, And if it doesn't have an empirical, scientific, historical basis, it's not in the book. Mm-hmm. People tell me how they feel, and I tell them, I don't care how you feel. I barely care how I feel. <laughs> what I care is what is. That's what's important, right? What is. And, and that's what I talk about. The book is a great book, ladies and gentlemen. It is called We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Center. You can get it at Amazon.com. You can get it at any major bookstore, any major online store. I encourage you to read this book. It's really fascinating, and I hope you'll let me keep you another segment, Dr. Phil. Is that okay? Yes, I will. Are you kidding me? I get a chance to talk to Mark. Yeah, I'll, I'll hang. <laughs> well, you're great. And uh, 
My family, we've been fans a very, very long time. And I want to dig into your book a little bit longer. Again, the book is We've Got Issues. How you can stand strong for America's soul and sanity, Amazon.com. Mr. Reducer, make sure it's on all of our social platforms. And I'll be right back. This is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, when I got Dr. Phil's book, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I thought, maybe I can help my own psychological issues. I don't have many, but nonetheless, we all have some. I said, no, no, this is, this is a big deal, this book. It's called We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. You can get it at Amazon.com. It'll be delivered to your door tomorrow. Any major bookstore, any major online bookstore, We've Got Issues. And he's talking about the nation. And, of course, we do have issues. And Dr. Phil... Again, the book is quite detailed. It's exquisitely written. I can't do the whole thing in 20 minutes. So my question to you is, where, where should we start? People are listening. They say, okay, Dr. Phil, what should we do? Well, what do we do? Um, you know, that's a more answerable question than people might think. And it's different in everybody's life. Some people have kids in school and they're concerned about what they're getting taught or what they're being exposed to. Uh, Some people have uh, kids in college, and they might be concerned about what they're being taught at at that level. And, you know, I I set forth in this book 10 principles that I think are absolutely essential for a healthy society. And, And number one is be who you are on purpose. And that means live with intention. Now, in order to do that, you have to actually sit down and say, let me make a conscious effort here to decide what's important to me. What's important to me uh, uh, about being an American? What's important to me about making sure that this country is here for my children or my grandchildren? What's important to me in terms of preserving the freedom that we have in this country? Uh, from keeping the government from running amok. What what can I do for self-governance here so I don't default to this being taken away from me? And to do that, I mean, it really is a thoughtful process. You have to think about what's, what matters to me, what's important to me. Like in the colleges right now, I, people probably know, I, I came out very strong about this Israeli-Hamas thing. I was very... Uh, I'm not a politician. I'm certainly not vested, uh, vetted in um, geopolitical matters, but I don't need to be to know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I know when I, I see people assassinating infants in cribs that there's a good guy and a bad guy. And mm-hmm. when I saw our elite universities having uh, – students rallying in support of murdering assassins uh, and hearing rhetoric that I I haven't seen or heard since the Hitler youth, then we've lost our moral compass. We've lost our way. Somebody needs to stand up and say so. And Mark, you can't believe the death threats and hate mail I got when I stood up and condemned uh, what Hamas has done. Uh, And 
uh, and everybody says, well, we need a ceasefire. We had a ceasefire on October 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that all ended when they did this raid on not soft target non-combatants. Um, and then we've got our students. I, I saw one banner that really puzzled me. It was gays for Palestine. Yeah. yeah, walk that into Gaza and see how far you get. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not teaching critical thinking. What, what's what's up with that? We're not teaching critical thinking. And I, I see these these colleges teaching things. They're using like trigger warnings, for example, is, is a good example. Everybody knows what a trigger warning is, right? It's when you get ready to read a book or take a course curriculum that says warning. This contains information that might trigger you if you've been traumatized by the following. And it has a list of things that might be mentioned in the course. Well, you know what? There's a huge body of literature that says trigger warnings don't work, that they actually create what it is they're trying to avoid. There's also a huge body of literature that says you shouldn't avoid those things. You should teach students to cope with them. And there are evidence-based therapies to teach that. Systematic desensitization, dialectical behavior therapy, cognitive behavior therapy. That's what you do to prepare these young people for the next level of life because they're not going to get trigger warnings out in real life. They're going to have to learn to cope with this stuff. Those organizations have, those universities have access to the same literature I do, which means they damn well know they don't work, but they're using them anyway because they're virtue signaling. We have to stop this. Somebody has to start saying, look, that's not okay with me. I've thought about what's important to me. What's important to me is preparing us for the competition. Right now, we're not number one in math, science, and reading. We're 34th, 16th, and 9th in math, science, and reading. And we need to stop that. We need to start requiring uh, more of our students and, and, and instead of less. Um, we've got all these people running around saying, here's what you can't say. We, we've got justice departments that say you can't call somebody a rapist or a murderer anymore when they've been convicted. You have to refer to them as justice-involved person. So your, your, your loved one wasn't murdered. They were involved with a justice-involved person. Now, where's common sense? Mm-hmm. And what I've found, and I know I'm rambling a little bit, and I promise I'll stop. No, you're not rambling at all. you respond. No, no, you're not right, and I want you to talk. Well, thank you. Uh, What I've found is a lot of people agree with what I'm saying, but they don't have the specific data or information to fight back when they've got all of this narrative being pushed on them. I'm giving them the information they need to fight back. So they can say, no, 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 I hear what you're saying. I hear what you want to be true, but that's not true. And I'll tell you what is true, because I've got it right here in this book, and it's very commonsensically explained, and I can give you 10 references for it. Somebody asked me the other day, I said, we're getting university professors fired at a faster rate since the fastest rate since the McCarthy era. And they said, oh, I don't believe that's true. Really? Well, okay, here's a list of 1,400 of them that have been disciplined, suspended, Mm -hmm. or fired. You can find it on fire. Uh, which is uh, uh, an organization Great group. Uh, that was, uh, w- yes, was, was fired by Greg Lukianoff. Uh, here's the website. Go look and read it for yourself. 
And we're not going to get any kind of equality in this country by lowering standards or working with quotas. That doesn't work. I don't want a brain surgeon where they lowered the standards so somebody could be a brain surgeon. I don't want somebody fighting a fire at my house that they lowered the standards for them to be a firefighter. I think we should struggle mightily for equality of opportunity, but not equality of outcome. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. And our problem in America is not equality, is not inequality of income. Our problem in America is equality of income. The bottom 20% make within a few thousand dollars of the middle 20%. And 95% of the bottom 20% don't work. We're rewarding bad behavior. Mm -hmm. We've lost common sense. And that's what I talk about in this book. And I think people will read it and go, wow, now I know why I feel the way I feel. Now I know what I need to know to, to push back, to stand my ground. And that's how you stand strong for the soul and sanity of America. Absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to tell you one other thing you've done here. <clears throat> You're a iconic figure. You're a figure in the culture. And for many people, the millions who listen to this program, pardon me, millions who listen to this program, you're reinforcing their patriotism, their love of country, their morality, their views of family, and so forth and so on. And it is so refreshing to hear somebody like Dr. Phil, who's known to all of us, who says things that we can identify with. And you're right. It's not about politics. It's not even about governance. It's about the culture. It's about what's going on in our lives, in our schools, and so forth and so on. That's why I want to encourage everybody who's listening to grab a copy of this book, We've Got Issues, How You Can Stand Strong for America's Soul and Sanity. It's a fantastic book. You hear Dr. Phil, he's terrific. You know, I'm going to circle back uh, and see if I can get you on my TV show. So we're going to try and work that out, too, because I'm going to actually let you talk, because I like hearing what you have to say, and, uh, and I'd love to have you. Well, you better not ask me if you don't want to see me coming. <laughs> it's all right. They say that about me, too. So don't worry. It's not a big deal. <laughs> anyway, Dr. Phil, <clears throat> great good luck with this book. It's very much worth reading, folks. And God bless you, my friend. Well, thank you. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it and endorsing it to your millions of listeners. And I'll look forward to coming and being on your show. And I'm going to look forward to you coming and being on mine. We launch our network. Uh, April 2nd. Didn't want to do it on April Fool's Day. So no, good idea. <laughs> and uh, we, we talk about these things on the show and in people's lives where I'm still dealing with real people, with real challenges, looking for real solutions. And I would love to have you on helping me deliver this message. Thank you. Sounds fantastic. More the merrier, I say. God bless yeah, you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Mark. So long. All right. It's Dr. Phil. This book is great. We've got issues, how you can stand strong for America's soul and sanity. Here you have an iconic figure in the culture who agrees with you on your principles, your values, your belief system, love of country, and so forth and so on. It's worth supporting him, and more than that, he's supporting us when you, when you read this book. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'll give you an update on Michigan with only 11% of the vote, and Donald Trump has 64.5% of the vote. Remember, this is an open primary. Nikki Haley has 31.5%. I'm sure she'll declare victory. 
On the Democrat side, the Islamists are threatening to vote uh, for nobody. <clears throat> but that's uh, Joe Biden's base. Again, with only 11% of the vote, and he is 78.4% uncommitted at 163 And uh, that's that. So we'll see. Man, oh, Manischewitz, there was so much to get to. Well, let me get to a few things before we end the program. Our buddy Adam Crato over at uh, Free Beacon, one of the great sites out there. Do you know that in order to continue funding Hamas and UNRWA and all the rest of it, the Biden administration had to exempt itself from anti-terrorism laws in this country, Mr. Producer? Do you hear me, America? The Biden administration exempted itself from anti-terrorism laws to send support to Gaza. And Ted Cruz, who's a great hero, he's one of three Republican colleagues, is trying to strip that authority from the Biden administration. The Biden administration, Tom Cotton, another great man. Bill Haggerty, another great man. And our buddy Marco Rubio, a great man, but he's in the uh, witness protection program which comes to my show, unless he has a book. But these four guys are right on. And so they want to prevent the Biden administration from exempting itself from anti-terrorism laws. Because Biden and Hamas and Iran and apparently James Carville have a lot in common. Their power, their party, means everything, even if it means the destruction of the elected government of Israel and Israel itself. But I have a little news for these reprobates. There's a new poll out. U.S. voters overwhelmingly support Israel over Hamas. That's Americans. We're not talking about the Islamos, the, excuse me, the Islamist base that Biden's relying on. A new Harvard Caps Harris poll published this week. Over 2,300, that's huge, registered U.S. voters found overwhelming support for Israel over Hamas. But not in the Democrat Party ranks, I don't think, right? In the poll, 83% said October 7 was an a ter- terror attack. 17% said it wasn't. Broken down by age group, 94% of those over 65 said it was. over 65. 74% who are 18 to 24 years old said the same thing. So Americans between New York, Washington, and L.A., not the coast, support Israel. See you tomorrow, and God bless you all.